I want us to continue our teaching on destiny, our series on destiny, the life of Joseph. This is part what? Part seven. Part seven. And um, two weeks ago, I started to speak on um, Potiphar's house and the season of our life in Potiphar's house. But let's just go over a few things and continue to teach. Psalm 105, verses 17 to 19. Two key texts we will look at um, that will keep emphasizing and touching on it as we teach through this series. He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons until the time that his word came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. Romans 8:28. To 30, And we know that all things work together for good. To those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called, whom he called, these he also glorified, whom he justified, sorry, these he also justified, whom he justified, these he also glorified. The life of Joseph, and uh, we're talking about the uh, people of destiny, being a man or a woman of destiny. And we've said that to be a man or a woman of destiny really speaks, destiny speaks of your destination. And in the mind of God, every human being, God has a destination for them, both in time and also in eternity. And a man or woman of destiny is really an individual committed or focused on what God has called them to do, the destination God has for their life. But also, I like to put it like this. A man or a woman of destiny is an individual whose life choices, whose life choices enables them to stay in the purposes of God, to stay in line with the purposes of God. And as we're going to see, maybe today, you can make choices that can frustrate the purposes of God for your life. I have seen it time and time again. I will never forget a certain individual between the North and the South Pole many years ago, between the year 1900 and now, (laughs) where God's purpose for their life was very clear very clear. And then one day, they made a decision. And I remember saying to somebody, this person will never enter into this destiny again. I just said it to them in passing. And they said, oh, that's a bit harsh. I said, yeah, they can never enter into it. By virtue of this decision, this will never happen again in their life forever. I'm not God, but I know how God works. He said he made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the children of Israel. The children of Israel saw the activity of God, but they didn't know the ways of God. Moses knew the ways of God and was therefore able to continuously access the mind of God and operate the power of God. And part of this teaching is to help you to know how to make the right choices to stay in line with God's purpose for your life. Amen. All right, so we said that the destiny of Joseph was to preserve the lineage of his family by becoming the head of that family. 
Now, he was the last born son at the time when, um, or he was the firstborn of Rachel, Rachel and the uh, last but one born, of, um, born son of Jacob at the time when he went into, when he is being focused on at the age of 17. And uh, this destiny, we said, uh, for him to have fulfilled his destiny or began to begin to fulfill his destiny, there were some key stages in his life that had to be observed. We talked about his foundations in his father's house. And then we talked about the pit experience, the experience that he had as a, as a, as in his father's house. He is sent, his last assignment from his father, he is sent on an errand, and that changes his life forever, where his brothers take him and put him in a pit. And then from that pit experience, he's then sold as a slave. And he goes into Egypt as a slave and enters Potiphar's house. And this is where we're at. From Potiphar's house, he then goes into prison. From prison, he enters the palace. In fact, in prison, sorry, he is forgotten. And then after that, he enters the palace. But still, he hasn't begun his destiny. It's only when he stands before his brothers that his destiny is now activated. And this is very important. Many confuse the palace with destiny. In other words, the promotion that they experience, many equate that with their destiny. And by doing so, often they end up messing up. But we'll talk about that later on. So let's look at Potiphar's house. Potiphar's house. And Potiphar's house really is where he's He's from a favored slave to a prisoner of the state. So I want us to read Genesis 39, 1 to 23. Help me with the time, please, again. And then we will talk about some things. Now, we've given the outlines for you to study because I want to focus on two key areas when it comes to your destiny in the season of Potiphar's life. Genesis 39, 1 to 23. Now, Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. And Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house, and all that he had, he put under his authority. So it was from the time that he made him overseer of his house, and all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance, and it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph. And she said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, look, my master does not know what is with me in the house, and he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? So it was as she spoke to Joseph day by day 
that he did not heed her, to lie with her or to be with her. That's interesting. To lie with her or to be with her. Some of us may not lie with her, but we're still around her. Verse 11. Are you still there? All right. But, But it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the house was inside, that she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand. He didn't fight with her for the garment. He left it. <laughs> Sometimes you just have to know when you should run. Say to your neighbor, you should know when to run. Not every battle needs to be fought. Some battles you run away from, lest you get beaten up. <clears throat> Where are we? Where are we? Which verse are we on? All right. And so it was... <laughs> When she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and fled outside, that she called to the men of her house and spoke to them, saying, See, he has brought into us a Hebrew to mock us. He came into me to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. And it happened when he heard that I lifted my voice and cried out that he left his garment with me and fled and went outside. So she kept his garment with her until his master came home. Then she spoke to him with words like these, saying, The Hebrew servant whom you brought to us came into me to mock me. So it happened, as I lifted my voice and cried out, that he left his garment with me and fled outside. Verse 19. And, you know, you need to look at verse 19 very carefully. So it was, when his master heard the words which his wife spoke to him, saying, Your servant did to me after this manner, that his anger was aroused. Notice his anger was aroused. Not his anger was aroused against Joseph. He knew exactly what happened. He knew exactly what his wife was trying to do. And so he was angry because now he has to lose his best servant. He has to lose him. And also he has to continue to live with this woman. Because he couldn't prove it. He knew Joseph was innocent. That's why his anger was not against Joseph. If you read many places, whenever somebody's angry, says, and their anger was against so-and-so or such-and-such. But in this context, he was just angry. Can you imagine? This, is, this guy is a, a money machine. He's a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a golden goose. He's in my house. Everything's happening. Now you've brought this nonsense. And what's happened? I can't keep him anymore. Otherwise, it kind of brings disgrace to me. And I can't do anything to you because I can't prove it. So I'm angry. Mm. Are you still here? Then Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined. You see, he was a slave. He didn't need to go to prison. He should be killed there and then. For doing that, you're dead. Try to rape your master's wife. No. But the man knew he was innocent. That's why he put him in the king's prison, as opposed to killing him. You ain't going to waste money on some... Attempted rapist. Shall we move on? Anyway, in those days, I'm just reading. Are you still here? Verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy, and he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all, that, all the prisoners who were in prison. Whatever they did there, it was his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. Amen. 
All right, so there are three key things I want you to see in this narrative about Joseph that you can learn from. First of all, Potiphar's house represents a season of service and dependence on another in order for us to develop in our character. Primarily, it is part of God's design to help us develop in character so that when we enter into our destiny, we can fulfill every assignment God has for us. However, this season is epitomized in the statement in verse 9 when Joseph said this, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? This is a season where you are living your life before God. God is the one you are seeking to impress. God is the one you are seeking to honor. Now, the Potiphar's life experience in Joseph's life and even in our life culminates with an injustice on one hand and prosperity in the midst of adversity on the other hand. In other words, during this season, for you to pass the test, you have to be prepared to have been maltreated whilst you maintain your integrity. If you've lived long enough, and if you've walked with God long enough, you will come into this season of life where you will be misrepresented in a major way by those who ought to know better. And how you handle that injustice will have a bearing with how you fulfill your next season in God's purposes. So there are three things I want you to notice about Potiphar's, um, this season of Potiphar's life. Oh, sorry, this season of Potiphar's house. Number one, what I call the divine prerogative. In other words, that which God is committed to during this season. Secondly, the human initiative. In other words, that which God requires of us during this season. And then the third thing, the offer of destiny. In other words, that which life brings our way because of our destiny. Now, I want to touch on the last bit first because of time. I'm only going to focus on two. Um, the character one, we've been touching on it, so you can look at it and study it from your nose. So, during this season of Potiphar's life, where you are learning to depend on others, you are learning to rely on God and depend on others in order for what God wants for your life to happen. It's a very testing season um, because if you are not careful, you will take matters into your own hands because it is a season that uh, can be very drawn out. Now, there's an even worse season than that, which is the next one. We'll touch on that. But let's look at what life offers you during this season. Number one, the first thing that life offers you because of your destiny is temptation. Say temptation. Now, Joseph was in Potiphar's house. You know, already things have been rough, but you know, he's, God is still with him. He's doing well. He's serving well. He's minding his own business. And then he has an offer out of the blue. You see, it says, and it came to pass. In other words, 
out of the blue, suddenly this temptation comes his way. Verse 7, came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes. I mean, the Hebrew is awesome. Cast longing eyes. Have you ever cast longing eyes on something or someone? Have you ever been the object of someone's longing eyes? I mean, I don't, I, the only longing eyes I know is Aisha's. I don't, I don't know this other level, but uh, some of you people, you know what that is like. Some of my friends, sometimes they get certain temptations, and I say to them, hey, me, I never, I never got any of this kind of temptation. I guess they looked at me and said, nah. <laughs> but when it comes to your destiny, you will be tempted because of your destiny. If you have not registered the temptation already, then you need to be aware. Even Jesus was tempted because of his destiny. Do you remember Matthew 4, 1? Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. The Holy Spirit led him into a season of life where Satan had to tempt him. Everybody gets tempted by the enemy through circumstances and situations. And Joseph's looks made a demand on his character. In other words, the ability or what God invests in you will mean God expects you to behave a certain way. Some people are gifted with a lot of wisdom. And by virtue of their wisdom, they can manipulate people. Other people, they're not so smart, but you just have to look at them and you want to do what they want you to do. Hallelujah. Um, anyway, shall we just move on? <clears throat> so, he was a good-looking lad, and because of his looks, his master's wife looked, said, I want you. You've got something that makes you attractive, whether you realize it or not. Everybody has. What you have that makes you attractive can also become a snare to you if you are not wise. And our destiny will expose our vulnerability to temptation. By virtue of what God has called you to, you will be tempted. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you, such as is common to man. These verses are not in your notes, by the way. I did that deliberately so that you have to write it. <laughs> no temptation has overtaken you, except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. Okay, you guys got it. Well done. But with the temptation will we'll also make a way of escape, the way of escape, so that you may be able to bear it. Everyone faces temptation. Say to your neighbor, you will be tempted. Tell them, you've been tempted. So we must learn to pray for protection from temptation. You know, part of the prayer that the Lord taught us was to pray, Matthew 6, 12 and 13, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Why does he put it in that order? Because... How you handle 
those who wrong you will have a bearing on how you handle temptation. How you handle those who wrong you will either make you invincible against the enemy's wiles or vulnerable to the evil one. So we protect ourselves from being vulnerable to temptation by number one, walking in forgiveness towards those who sin against us. And secondly, sympathizing with those who fall into sin. Walk in forgiveness to those who sin against us. And then secondly, sympathize with those who fall into sin. Galatians chapter 6, 1 and 2 says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself also, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Verse 2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. If you want to know how to handle temptation, look at how you handle people who mess up. Now, let me tell you something. At times, it's hard to forgive. There has been seasons in my life where I've experienced pain, pain, because of what I have felt has been an injustice. And during those times, I have had to literally keep voicing to God. And I say, Lord, I'm in pain. Help me to forgive. I choose to forgive. I forgive so-and-so for what they have said, for what they have done. I release them. Help me to release them. Now, this is after I've confronted. Sometimes it's after I've confronted these people. It's not where they don't even know they've wronged me. This is after I have followed the biblical protocol and gone to them and said to them, what you did or what you said, A, B, C, I didn't like it. But I find some things go so deep, it hurts so much, that I have to keep voicing it until I get released. Because otherwise, I become vulnerable to doing a worse thing. Amen. So, life will first of all offer you temptation because of your destiny. Secondly, life will bring to you unfavorable circumstances. Look at verse 13. Joseph finds out his, his garment is with this woman. In fact, he's running away to preserve himself, and she's got his garment. So, that's a proof. And she uses this situation to destroy him. Because of your destiny, life will bring to you unfavorable circumstances. Situations that are not pleasant, that do not encourage you. And God is in it. Remember, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are the called according to his purpose. I think one of, the, one of the things that is very lacking in our theology is a theology of how we deal with suffering and adversity as believers living the triumphant life in Christ. Life will offer you unfavorable circumstances. And thirdly, life will bring you injustice because of your destiny. Verses 14 to 19 outlines the injustice. Your destiny demands that you learn to trust God when faced with injustice. 
this woman made up this story, and then his master, knowing full well he was innocent, did not defend him, but preserved or protected his reputation and put him in prison. I mean, who wants to hear that your wife wants to sleep with a slave? Come on. That's a disgrace. Because in that culture, that's a disgrace. And he knows he can't kill the guy because the guy is innocent and he loves Joseph. So to preserve his reputation, he puts him in prison. And sometimes this is what your destiny will do. It will cause you, life will bring to you a circumstance whereby it's as if you are in prison. You are in prison. Yeah. And uh, you need to know how to deal with injustices. First Peter 4 verses, First Peter 4 verses 14 to 16. He says this. First Peter 4 verses 14 to 16. He says this. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part he is blasphemed, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. Therefore, verse 19, verse 19, let's jump to 19. Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. Now look at the scripture. If you are reproached or insulted for the sake of Christ, you are blessed. In fact, the King James says, happy are you. You are blessed for that to happen to you. You know, today, as the church is seeking to be so accepted by the world that we are afraid to tell the world something is wrong because we don't want to be rejected. But the reality is the way of Christ will mean at times that you have to face insults because you identify with Christ. I'm not talking about being foolish and not being wise, but the bottom line is, as believers, we need to know how to embrace insults because we identify with Christ. And then verse 19, let those who suffer according to the will of God Commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. In other words, when you are going through injustice because you're trying to do what is right, keep doing the right thing and just commit it into God's hands. This season of your life may appear to you like no one is there to defend you. Join this season of Potiphar's house. And during this season, when you're facing injustices, it may appear like there's no one there to defend you. But God is there to defend you. Remember, a man or a woman of destiny is a person who deliberately makes the right choices before God, regardless of the outcome. Because eventually, eventually, what God has purposed will happen. Eventually, what God has purposed will happen. Just because you may not see it now. And listen, you need to know what it's like to be ridiculed, to be absolutely ridiculed, be 
because of the stance you take. You know, as a, as a, as a pastor, as a leader of a group, do you know the amount of ridicule at times I experience? People say to me, or oh, infer, look at your ministry. Why isn't this happening? Why isn't that happening? Look at what's happening here. Look at what's happening there, et cetera, et cetera. And now I find it such an honor to have ridicule. Now I find an honor. Before, I used to get all kinds of emotions. Now it's an honor. Now it's an honor. Paul, at the end of his ministry, said this, all men have left me. Can you imagine? It says Titus is gone. So-and-so is gone. Only this person is with me. After he ministered all those years, he said to Timothy, as an old man, all men have left me. I'm only left with so-and-so. And at times, when it comes to doing God's will, you need to be able to experience rejection. Anyone who can experience that and recognize it as a privilege has really entered into another dimension of grace. It's not easy. It's not easy. But your destiny demands that you learn to trust the leadership of God over your life. You have to trust his leadership. You cannot look at what others are saying or even how your circumstance speaks to you. You can't. You see, this is the difference between our faith in Christ and the system of the world. Whenever you want to, if, like even as a ministry, if I want to look at whether we are we are embracing the system of the world or whether we're embracing the ways of Christ, I like to look at the things we place value on. Scripture says, what is highly esteemed among men, our Lord said it, is abominable. It's an abomination in the sight of God. Therefore, what is highly esteemed before God is an abomination in the sight of men. So, there are things that we celebrate as human beings as great and as successful that God actually considers them as trash. And then there are things that God considers as great that we, naturally speaking, will look at it as nonsense. That's why the scripture says that the natural man does not receive the things of the spirit because they are spirit, spiritually discerned. Neither can he know them can't know them. You can't appreciate them. Hallelujah. Help me with the time. Okay, I'm nearly done. I want to encourage you to learn to trust God when things have not gone well for you because of your destiny. See, sometimes you think or you thought you knew how things would turn out as you sought to honor God. But instead, Instead of it turning the way you wanted it to, it even appeared that it's gone even worse. Has anybody ever experienced that? Look at Isaiah 50 verse 10. He says, Who among you fears the Lord? Who obeys the voice of his servant? Who walks in darkness and has no light? Let him trust in the name of the Lord and rely upon his God. What a scripture. Who fears God? Who obeys his voice or the voice of his servant? That is Jesus. Who is doing this and yet they're walking in darkness? At times, as you are obeying God, 
It's literally, I ain't got a clue what's happening, Lord. I ain't got a clue what's happening. This is the road to fulfilling destiny. Do you think that Joseph, during those times, thought he was going to be the head of his family after what happened to him? He, he, he forgot about all of that. It was only when he stood before his brothers, the Bible says he remembered his dreams. It's only then. At times, you will walk in darkness as you obey God. You walk in darkness as you obey God. What a paradox. You walk in darkness. You have no light as you obey God. He says, let him trust in the name of the Lord and rely upon his God. And finally, life offers you incarceration because of your destiny. In verse 20, the Bible says that Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison. A place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in prison. Your destiny will mean you will have to experience restrictions. Restrictions. Where you feel hemmed in and restricted from doing what you believe God has called you to do. You see, we are so used to a, a triumphalistic theology that we don't realize that this is the way of the cross. The way of the cross is a reversal of the way of the system of this world. And if you want to fulfill the destiny God has for your life, you need to be able to handle the prison experience where you are restricted. You no longer appear to have your freedom. I remember the season of the prison experience in my life. During that season of my life, there was a lot of frustration because I knew what God wanted me to do. I knew what God had called me to do. And it appeared like those who had the say were either deliberately sabotaging or just couldn't see it. Instead, they were passing over me and taking other people. But I didn't know that was part of God's dealing. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 8 and 9, and we're going to stop and we're going to pray. He says this, We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. What? That's the apostle. He said, we are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We're not overwhelmed, but we are hard-pressed on every side. We are perplexed. In other words, we're confused. What the great apostle, yeah. We're confused. We ain't got a clue what to do. But we are not in despair. In other words, we have not given up hope. We are persecuted. There are situations that are going against us but we're not forsaken. We've been struck down. We tried and then boom, we failed. But we're not destroyed. Hey, this is the way of the cross. If you're serious about your destiny, if you're serious about the purposes of God for your life, you need to embrace this aspect, this Potiphar's house season. I'm not going to teach uh, about his leadership because of time, 
um, but I want you to go and study the notes are there because I'm going to move on. Another time, maybe I'll teach it again, but I'm going to move on. So I'm not going to teach about the leadership of God over your life, the divine prerogative. In other words, the things that God is committed to during this season. When life is offering you these things, there are certain things that God is still committed to. They're in your notes, and because I don't have time, I don't really want to touch on it because we could go another hour as those in Ghana found out. Yeah. <laughs> but one thing I'll say this is this. During this season, and it's in your notes there, you'll find that God is first committed to his leadership over your life. God is committed to his leadership of your life, leading you. You see, your prerogative is that you make the right choices. What is right? And at times you're making the right choice and you're losing. You're making the right choice and you appear to be losing. And somebody will come and say, ah, my friend, be smart about this. Look at this. You appear to be losing. But it was God who sent Joseph to Egypt. When he entered his destiny, he said to his brothers, God sent me ahead of you to preserve you and our family. But at the time, it did not look like God. It looked like wicked men had engineered his destruction. Also, God is committed to protect you through this season, to protect you. We don't have time, we won't touch on it. Also, he's committed to his presence, Verse 2 says, the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man. That alone, when you have the presence of God, when you walk under an open heaven, your success is not determined by your environment. Your success is determined by your obedience to God. Let's stop there. We're going to pray. I have felt in my spirit just to really strengthen you and to encourage you. And I pray that you're encouraged and I pray that you're strengthened. And I want to pray for anyone who has felt despair, felt like giving up hope. I want to pray especially for you where you are seated. Why don't you stand and let's pray strength into you. If that is you, just as you stand, just lift up your hands and just tell the Father, Father, thank you for your strength. Just tell him, Lord, thank you for your strength. I feel to just pray for those who have felt like, have felt in despair, have felt overwhelmed. Father, will you bless these precious ones that are standing? Lord, will you strengthen them at this time? Lord, help them to trust your leadership over their life. Just lift up your two hands to the Lord. Tell him, Father, thank you for your mercies. Thank you for your grace. Father, I speak strength into these ones. I say receive strength in the name of Jesus. I want you to know that God loves you. God is for you. Do not give in to despair. At times when I feel like this, I say, Lord, I trust your leadership over my life. Proverbs chapter 3, 5 and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. Sometimes we failed God. We 
behaved in a way that dishonored God. Our actions were wrong. We made the wrong choice and we ended up where we are. But listen to me. Beloved, listen to me. God is a God of mercy. But you have to acknowledge where you went wrong. You have to voice it. You have to say, Father, I sinned. I was wrong. I ask you to forgive me. I made the wrong decision. And so, Father, I speak grace and strength into these ones that are standing. In the name of Jesus, I pray, O oh God, that you will strengthen them. They will live strengthened in spirit. Receive strength in the name of Jesus. Amen. Take your seat. I want to pray also for those, not so much in despair, but you have felt hemmed in. You have felt restricted by life, by life, what it offers, that you can't seem to break out. You feel like you are in prison. And uh, it's a very definite feeling that you have. If that is you, stand also, I feel to pray for you. Those that feel hemmed in, just quickly stand. I want to pray for you quickly. Father, thank you for these precious ones. As you stand, just lift your hands. You feel hemmed in. You feel restricted. You feel like there's nothing you are able to do to get you out of this situation. You've tried everything, but you have no power. You can't stand where you are. Thank you, Holy Father. I pray for these ones. Lord, I speak strength. I speak grace. I ask, Father, for the spirit of grace. Joseph, when he was in prison, he felt so abandoned. He felt so alone. He felt, I haven't done anything wrong. Yet look at me. I've tried to do the right thing. Yet look at me. Perhaps this is where you are. And I'm not being funny when I say this. You paid your tithe. You gave your offerings. You did everything. You sowed your seed. You made the confessions. And yet you find yourself where you are. Father, I pray for these precious ones in the name of Jesus. I speak grace into them. Lord, strengthen them. Strengthen them. I ask, Lord, that light will come to them at the end of the tunnel, in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen.